Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And why did he do that? He knew that he could. There was something about that day, and only God and God the Father and he knew about it. They were looking for him for three days. Finally, they probably just kind of gave up. And now he just kind of slips in under the radar, and he's teaching people on the temple mount, in the court. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? And the idea here is that he wasn't schooled. Uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Though Jesus avoided a grand entrance when he came to Jerusalem in his Father's timing, he taught very boldly. He never receded from proclaiming the truth. The Jewish leaders knew that Jesus had not studied or been a disciple under a prominent rabbi. Jesus didn't follow the normal and expected course of education for a teacher, nor did he point to his credentials, but to his doctrine. There was no pride or boast, but only truth that formed his teachings. He also left us truth in his word of which we call the Bible. Now here's Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Going to put himself on national television, so unlike the preachers today, unfortunately, Jesus had no desire to make a big fuss until the big fuss was going to be on the cross. That's when the fuss should have been made. Because that's when the lights turned out on the land That's when the earthquake happened. That's when those who were dead in their graves rose, some of them. That's when the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. That's when the price that had been foreordained before the foundation of the world for the sin of man had been completed, and it was done. As he said, it is finished. All those things came to pass. There was a time... Verse 10, it says, But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Notice that Jesus' brothers, they would go through the motions of the feast. They would go up like they were supposed to. But either they either didn't know of or were ignorant to who Jesus was. But did they search the scriptures? Did they search the Old Testament? All the times they went to the synagogue, weren't these scriptures speaking of their brother? When Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 11, Isaiah 9, verse 6, Isaiah 7, verse 14, Micah 5, 2, Genesis 3, 15, Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, all these verses pointing to him, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53. Did they put the pieces together and say, oh my gosh, he was born in Bethlehem. Remember when mom and dad, before they settled up here in Nazareth, that's where Jesus was born. 
Micah 5 2 says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth the one who will reign, Jesus Christ, and his reign will be forever. Speaking of his deity. Do you know that it is possible to go through the motions? <laughs> to go through the motions externally, but internally be far away from God. People do it every day. People pay lip service to the Lord all the time. What does it tell us in Ephesians? Paul tells them, he says, Servants, be obedient to them who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God. What? From the thoughts? From my good intentions? No, from the heart. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. To the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he is bond or free. I love that. I hate myself, and, and there's times where I am a man, man pleaser. And the Lord reminds me of it when I am, and I hate it when it happens because I'm so ashamed. Perhaps she felt the same way when I, instead of doing what I know is right, I cave in to man. And I become a man pleaser to keep the peace. I do that which is contrary to the word of God to keep the peace. It may only keep the peace for a moment. Believe me, there's a bumper crop of junk that's going to come after that. And you're going to have to deal with that. Right? There's a consequence, isn't there? There is a consequence for our rebellion against the word of God. In Colossians, he said the same thing. Servants, obey all things of your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers. But notice in that verse 10 it says, He also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Again, Jesus had to go in secret because he was so well known. It wasn't his hour. It wasn't the right time for, he, for him to go up. He would go to the cross at the appointed time on the Passover. He would be the Passover lamb. He would go to the cross, as Psalm 22 tells us. When it was written, crucifixion hadn't even been invented for a few hundred years. And yet it says, they pierced me, my hands and my feet. Hadn't even been invented yet. Verse 11, it says, Then all the Jews sought him at the feast, because they remember him when he was there last. When was he there last? When he healed the man at, Beth, or at the pool of Bethesda. On the Sabbath. God help him. He did it on the Sabbath. <laughs> and they were all upset. They were all upset that he'd done this. And so they were seeking for him. And they said, Where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said, He's good. Others said, No, on the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. Fear is an awful thing. We all experience fear. But notice Jesus, pardon the phrase, but he was like the elephant in the room. When an elephant is in a room, he is the center of attention. Amen? If an elephant was to somehow appear before this room, he would take up several rows and everybody would be looking at him, right? Have you ever been in a place where there is a topic or something happening and yet nobody wants to talk about it? Everybody knows it, but nobody's talking about it. It's the elephant in the room. That's what Jesus was. He was there and they're looking for him. They're trying to search out who he is because they remembered what he did and they didn't forget it either. They didn't like it.
There is no fear in love, but perfect love has cast out fear. Isn't that what the scripture says? But see, there was no real love in this gathering as the people were in fear of the religious leaders. Fear is an awful thing. Fear, as the song says, is a liar, isn't it? It's a liar. And they were the religious leaders, the elders, they were very antagonistic towards Jesus and toward anyone who would speak about him or of him in a favorable way. The people then had become man-pleasers. They wanted to please the religious leaders and the elders. They've left God in the back. Now they are focused on man. We want to please them because these guys are nasty. And if we don't do what they say and if we speak up about Jesus, our family's going to get kicked out of the synagogue. Nobody wanted that. They were afraid of being ostracized and excommunicated. But Paul exhorts us not to be men-pleasers. He said, Do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? And I love his exhortation, For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. I have to be one or the other. I can't be both. I'm either a servant of God or a servant of man. What are you going to be today? Are you going to be a servant of man or a servant of God? Make your decision today. I need to make that decision today. Verse 14, it says now about the middle of the feast. So this is a seven-day feast, right? So somewhere in the middle, the third or the fourth day, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And why did he do that? He knew that he could. There was something about that day, and only God and God the Father and he knew about it. They were looking for him for three days. Finally, they probably just kind of gave up. And now he just kind of slips in under the radar and he's teaching people on the temple mount, in the court. And the Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know letters having never studied? And the idea here is that he wasn't schooled. He wasn't among the the, the famous rabbis who had schools, you know, uh, Gamaliel or Hillel or any of these other men. You know, all these men in Jerusalem belonged to one of these camps of these famous rabbis. Jesus didn't belong to any of them. He claimed that everything he got was from God. And boy, they hated that. They hated that. Do you remember what happened when Jesus was in, uh, in Jerusalem? Remember when he was 12 years old? It's the only time written of, of him when he was that age. It says that he went up with his parents to the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, he went up to Jerusalem after the custom. And when he had fulfilled the days, they returned. But Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And, and they, his parents were looking for him, but they, supposing him to have been with the company, they went already a day's journey, and, and they sought among their kinsfolk and acquaintance, and they didn't find him. So they, they turn around and go back, and on the third day, they find him. And where do they find him? They find him in the temple, this 12-year-old young man speaking to the doctors of the law, the Pharisees, the scribes, and they're all asking questions, and he's answering and asking them questions. Unheard of unthinkable unthinkable where does this man learn have these learning where did he go to school what synagogue did he go to what rabbi is he studying under little did they know that he is the word of god become flesh the one who inspired the scriptures they're writing they're reading he was the one who inspired those writers to write it. The very origin of the word of God that they purport to to believe is standing right before them, speaking to them. Can you imagine? I wish I could have been there. I wish it was like an MP3 of that recording. Can you imagine his voice? What his voice must have sounded like and the gentleness in which he spoke, the love that exuded from him. And they were all amazed. 
And notice what Jesus said. He said in verse 16, my, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but is his who sent me. It wasn't his doctrine. It was God's doctrine. Again, many, many of the men would be under the tutelage of Gamaliel or Hillel or some of the doctors of the law, but Jesus again stated, it all comes from the Father. He gave it to me. I didn't go to anybody else. And the humanistic heart hates to hear this because they want to be responsible for Jesus' spiritual understanding. How did you understand this? How did you get this? You certainly had to go to Harvard. You certainly had to go to Oxford. You certainly had to go to Yale. How is it that you know all these things? I got it from my Father in heaven. Give me a break, kid. Yeah. Read it and weep. Yes. No one else. And they hated him for it. If Jesus wasn't going to be part of their club, they were going to shun him, reject him, and ultimately they had plans to kill him. Verse 17 in our text says, If anyone wills to do his will, he will know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority. Do you want to do God's will? I think we would all say, of course we want to do God's will. Sometimes we just have a problem discerning what God's will is. And can I suggest to you that it's a lot easier than you might think? Can I suggest to you to just be in the Word, be in prayer, and don't worry about it, and God will open the opportunities for you? He's done it in my life, and I know I'm no different than you are. You don't have to fuss and fight and stretch and worry and and be consumed. Am I doing the will of God? I want to do the will of God. Hey, just relax. Relax and love him. Serve him where you're serving him. Wherever you're at, serving him. And he will bring the opportunities. That's his job. That's not your job. He is faithful to do that. I've seen him do it. And he is good at it. And I don't have to stress or fight or kick or bite or spit. I don't have to do any of those things. I can just trust him. Do you trust him? Do you want to do his will? Just relax and be submitted to him. Lord, today I want to do your will. Help me to know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. Okay, then just rest. I'll guide you. He will guide you when you don't feel like you're being guided. Sometimes he brings external circumstances, external things coming into you to change your course for the day, and you had no idea. He does it all the time. Why? Because he's the divine chess master. He knows where you need to be to speak to somebody else who really needs to hear it because they just lost their husband. They just lost a loved one, and you just happen to be at the right place at the right time because your tire blew out on 490, and now you're at the Michelin place, and someone sitting next to you is crying, and you say, what's wrong? And there it is. The divine appointment occurs. How did that happen? Because I said, God, your will be done today. In Philippians, it said, It is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And the will of God, and James says, that the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits. But many people don't want to come and do the, the Lord's will, because the Bible says, again, excuse me, in 1 Corinthians 2, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritually discerned. They're foolishness to him. Until he's born again, he's, it's like a different language that's being spoken. I remember that. Do you remember that? I remember the word of God and everything about me that somebody was telling, telling me about Jesus was like a different language 
You remember Charlie Brown with the woman, you know, and he calls his, you know, friend. You know, it was like that. I, I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. I was completely clueless. I had no idea what God's will was until the Spirit of God took residence in my heart. And all of a sudden, oh, the illumination. Not in some kind of hocus-pocus, new-age thing. No, it's, it's very supernaturally natural. I don't know how it happened. I didn't ask for it. But now that I've, the, the Spirit of God is in me, it changes everything. Everything is changing. It's changing. I've changed, but I'm changing. Can you agree with that? I love it because we live in a world, folks, in a culture where might makes right and what is big, fast, and convenient is better and that which is evil is good and that which is good is evil. That's the world we live in. We need to do the will of God and seek out the will of God to seek him. But verse 18 says, He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Jesus, speaking of himself, that he is sinless, that there is no unrighteousness within him. Do you see the order here? It's a divine order. The Spirit of God glorifies Jesus, and Jesus glorifies the Father. They are all equal, but they all have a role. They all have a purpose. And they're all united. They are, it's unity in plurality. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The Spirit glorifies Jesus. If the Spirit of God is glorifying a man, it's not the Holy Spirit of God. If a Spirit, if the Holy Spirit or people claiming it's the Holy Spirit is doing something, then it should be pointing to Jesus Christ. If it's not pointing to Jesus, it's something else. I would encourage you to ignore whatever that is. But if it is Jesus, he's going to point to Jesus. And who does Jesus point to? The President of the United States? Does he point to somebody else? Does he point to any other figure? No, he points everybody to the Father. Equal, but yet submitted to the Father. God is spirit who dwells in unapproachable light. I can't wait to see that. An unapproachable light. Can you imagine that? I mean, honestly, let your worship begin there. Think about that and just close your eyes and think. I'm going, to be, I'm, going to, I'm going to see Jesus and I'm going to see God the Father in my new body when I get to glory. And I'm going to see that unapproachable light. I'll be able to withstand it in my new body. And I'll experience a peace and a joy and a love. And every other emotion that is holy and pure, it's going to happen all at once. You're going to feel like you just... And is there any reason... Is there any reason why our worship, you know, when you think of that, well, what's my position going to be? Am I going to be standing at that time? Probably not. I'm probably going to be like the Hoover vacuum cleaner. My face is going to hit the ground. I'm going to be so blown out with who God is and, who, and, and his effulgence and his glory, his beauty, and his love and compassion. All at once, it's just going to consume you and it's going to be like, <clears throat> let your heart get raptured by that. That's where our worship begins. Looking at him. In verse 19 it says, Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? And yet you you are the ones who seek to kill me. Isn't that in the law? You shall not murder? Isn't that in the law of God? Isn't that the Ten Commandments? 
Not only were they trying to kill Jesus, but they were missing the real point of what it was all about. See, the Jews' religion had become, and this can happen to us too, it can be all external when we forget that it's all supposed to be about an internal reality, not just some kind of vestige that we put on and walk a certain way with something in our hand and light a candle. No, it's something that happens internally. It was never meant to be external. In Mark chapter 7, what did Jesus answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men, laying aside the commandment of God. You hold to the tradition of men, the washing of pictures and cups, and many other such things that you do. And all too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your traditions." It was all external. It had become external. And the Jews at this time that Jesus was speaking to them, they were stuck in this idea of the letter of the law, not in the spirit of the law, which is really what he had always designed. In Romans chapter 2, verse 28, it says, For, is, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter. You and I are, in a sense, a Jew because we believe in the God who Abraham professed to have faith in. I mean, we're not Jew in the physical sense. You understand what I'm saying. Because in the, in the spirit, yes, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, and certainly not in the letter, but in the spirit. In Matthew 5, remember, Jesus said, You've heard that it was said of those of old, You shall not commit murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But notice... He qualifies. See, the external, we always think of murder as, you know, somebody killing somebody. But Jesus takes it from the external and says, no, it was never meant to be. Certainly the external is the bad part. Hopefully it never gets to that part. But what's going on inside that's provoking you, that's causing you to do that thing? He says, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. He takes it from the physical act to something that's in the heart, something internal rather than something external. It's easier to do things by the letter, isn't it? To follow the rules and just do them without any heart attitude at all. Any of us can do that. We can follow, I mean, we really can't, the Ten Commandments, but if somebody tells you, just do this and do this and do this, okay, I can do that. Even though your heart is completely escaped from it, your heart doesn't even want to be involved. Has anybody done that? Gone through the motions? I have. I've gone through the motions, done the right things, but my heart wasn't in it at all. No change in my heart at all, just following the externals, following the law, the letter of the law, but there's no spirit behind it. And that's part of what legalism is. When you're just following the rules, but your heart is so unengaged from God, you're following the letter of the law, but anything outside of that, nope, can't see it, don't see it. You know, you become like that, uh, what's that, uh, Forrest Gump, you know. <laughs> Only do a, oh, nope, can't, just got to do what's in front of me. You know, you just kind of focus on that one thing and who cares about anything else. But when the Spirit is guiding, he's changing everything. And you'll, you'll never violate the will of God by obeying the Spirit of God. Right? Verse 20, it says, The people answered and said, You have a demon. Who's trying to kill you? Well, they were. And this wasn't the last time that they would tell Jesus that he has a demon. In John chapter 8, they say, 
The Jews answered and said to Jesus, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? In John chapter 10, verse 17, Jesus speaking says, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.